Amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here, and uh, we are so thankful that you have joined us today to worship God, who, the one who is worthy of our worship. And uh, we're excited uh, to share with you, as we did last week, but for those of you who weren't here, to just reiterate uh, some of what God is leading us into. And, and we always get excited around the word of the Lord when God begins to speak and, uh, and make clear things that are in his heart for us as a people. There's a level of excitement and anticipation around those things because we want to be a part of what he's doing. And when he speaks, it's like, okay, this is what he's doing. We get to join in with that. And so the word of the Lord that we've really rallied around heading into this year, and not only us as a, as a local church here in the Phoenix Valley, but also the Antioch family of churches uh, around the world have uh, really come around this word of the Lord that's uh, one family on mission together, one family together on mission. And we uh, are really excited about the, the two aspects that kind of present themselves there. The first one being one family that, uh, and, and many people are using the language of a multi-generational family, that it's all of us coming together, uh, being the family of God. And so there's a togetherness aspect of it. There is uh, a, the, the biblical precedent of family that we're really going to be looking at more in depth uh, over the, this first month of the year. And, uh, and not only that, but being on mission together so that uh, a family is not to uh, to be uh, just sitting around at home, but a family is meant to be on an adventure together, that there is a calling that the family has, and that's to be on mission. And at the same time, we're not to be on mission alone, but we're meant to be on mission together with a family, that there would be a people that God would bring together uh, to be a part of seeing the things on his heart accomplished. And so we get invited into that. And, and we were all meant for that. We're all made for that. We're all made to, to, to be a part of family. There's something deep within us that longs for that type of community, that type of love, that type of ability to, 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 to walk with others, to be known and to know others in a deep way. We were made for it. We were also made not to just live for ourselves, but to live for something greater than ourselves, something beyond what just serves us. And so we're invited into this place of mission because what we were made for. And so there's something really exciting about that. So much so that we've really been asking God, how do we practically respond to this? And there's many ways that we're doing that. One of the more significant ways that we're responding to that is by beginning in February, the first Sunday in February, the fourth, uh, we will be transitioning for a season of time to one service at 10 a.m. Instead of having our regular 9 and 1045 service, we're going to have a 10 a.m. service where we feel like God has invited us to, to invite the whole family to come together under one roof to worship with one voice to get uh, the, the, uh, the marching orders, so to speak, from the Lord and to, to go out uh, and to, to be his 
to be his uh, witnesses in the earth, right? So, so there's this element of God bringing the whole family together under one roof. And so for a, for a season, we don't know exactly how long it's going to be. It'll probably be somewhere between two to six months. Um, and we're going to see how, how it goes, but we're just responding as the Lord leads. And, and, and there's a lot of excitement and anticipation uh, around transitioning for a time to that one service at 10 a.m. In addition, some of that excitement is revolving around the the pre-service hour where we're going to have a time of intercession and worship. And uh, our, our team will be up here leading us where we're going to be praying for things that are happening out in the world. We're going to be praying for our body, praying for the church in the city. Uh, and that's going to be integrated with worship and, and praying out the things that, God is, that, that God's putting on our hearts, the things that are on his heart. And we believe that that's going to be a dynamic time of adoration and intercession that really uh, prepares our hearts for our, our normal service at 10, that really saturates this room uh, with a level of faith and expectation for all that God's going to do. And so we're inviting you to be a part of that as well during that nine o'clock hour. Um, and so there's, there's something that we believe God's going to, to, to do in that time and to use that time for that we're really excited about. Uh, there are also a, a few challenges that are presented by going to, to the one service, uh, having you know, been used to doing two or more for years. And so uh, one of those is around our, our volunteer base where, where many people serve weekly, where they can serve in one service and attend another service. That's no longer possible. And so we're, uh, and we're needing to anyway, raise the, 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 the volunteer base that we have as a church. And so originally it felt like, man, this is just one of the things that we're going to have to do uh, because we're moving to one service. But as, as we begin to move into it, I, I feel like God's very clearly said that actually this isn't something that's just a kind of a, a byproduct of going to one service. This is part of what I'm wanting to do, that, that actually having a, a volunteer culture that is robust and healthy is a part of making a healthy family. The more ownership that people have, the more investment that they have, where it's not just something that I come and I receive or I come and take this or that because I like it and I enjoy it. And we want that. We want people to be able to receive uh, from what is happening in this church, but that's not the full aspect of family. But there's actually something really healthy and positive and that, that we actually receive in the act of serving and giving uh, that makes the, the whole church a, a more healthy family. And so uh, we believe that it's not simply a byproduct, but it's actually one of the very main things that God's wanting to do is to increase the, the level of, of uh, buy-in and volunteerism in that way. And, and so there's different areas that you can jump in to do that, uh, to help meet that need, to help... to move into being a, one family together on mission. Um, our main area of need is in our, in our kids' ministry. And so we're looking for more kids' ministry team members uh, that are willing to serve. And that would be one Sunday a month where uh, you would hop in and serve in our kids' ministry. We're, in, we're encouraging families uh, to take a Sunday of the month and make that your family serve Sunday where you're all serving. And I, I actually am excited about that just in what that infuses into our kids. Like, hey, we, we serve, we receive, but we also serve. This is our family, this is our church. Uh, life groups uh, saying, hey, we're gonna serve on the second Sundays and this is gonna be the time where we all serve. And so if you're part of our life group, 
come on with us. We serve on the second Sundays, and you can come and be a part of that. But I, I'm excited about uh, what that's going to, to look like. Uh, in the cup holder in front of you, there's a little card uh, or one a cup holder near you. Uh, if you want to scan that, it's a QR code morning, I guess. But if you want to scan that, that takes you right to uh, the page on our website. You can also get there by going to antiochphx.com slash one, uh, O-N-E, and that will give you all the details and the vision uh, behind what God's speaking and how, we're, how and why we're responding to it, uh, as well as the needs that we have uh, for, uh, for how you can join a ministry team at the church. And so we're just inviting you into that, saying, hey, we need you. Uh, and not only do we need you to, to fill that particular role, but we need you to be a part of this family because God's called you here. And that's a part of being a, a part of a family. And so we're excited about how God is initiating with us and uh, look forward to see, seeing all that he's going to do in us as a people. And so with that, as I mentioned earlier, we're spending the month of January leading up to our time of going to one service that first Sunday in February, talking about family. And then when we all come together uh, in February, we're gonna start talking about mission, okay? Now that we're all gathered together as the family, what does it look like for us to be on mission together? And so last week we talked about God as the father, There really is no family apart from the father. And so God identifies himself as father. Again, speaking of uh, singing, holy, holy, set apart God. There is no one like you. You are worthy of all glory. You're the creator. There are many ways in which God expresses himself and could uh, express himself to us. But one of the ways that he does that is through the language of father. He didn't have to do but, he, but it's who he is. And so he expresses himself as a father who wants to be in our world, who wants to draw, draw in near, uh, who is not distant and removed, uh, but is, is concerned with the details of your life and wants to meet you in those places because he's a father. And so that's the, 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 the language that we have. He's the head of the, the family. And that's why we are sons and daughters, That's why we're brothers and sisters. And today we're going to look at what it means to be a son or daughter. So while we've looked last week at the the father, we're now in light of who he is as a father going to say, what does that mean for me? As a, as a son or daughter of the house or a son or daughter of the, of the, of the father in this, in the house, what does that, what does that mean for me? What are, what are the privileges of that? What are the expectations of that? What is my identity because of that? And, and I believe that God wants to stamp us today, really mark us uh, as sons and daughters, and that we would leave this place today thinking rightly as a son or daughter based on not our own feelings or emotions or ideas or latest thoughts that passing through our head, but based on uh, how God sees us and what he has said as the father that gives us, gives us the value that we have. And to do that, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is the delight of any good father to speak over their children identity, who you are, the place that you have in this house. 
uh, for me, it's been one of the great privileges of, of being a dad, and I've gotten to do it six times over. And so uh, with our oldest, Ellie, her name means light. And so regularly, we're speaking that over her whole, her whole life in different ways. You are a, you are a light. You are a, you are a leader. It's Ellie Joy. You're to bring joy to those around you, and you speak that over you. This is who you're called to be. This is what God has put within you to, to be and, uh, and to, to carry everywhere that you go. Our next is Sarah Grace, and uh, Sarah is princess, or we call her daughter of the king, uh, who looks upon the face of God because she's his daughter, and she radiates his grace to those around her. Uh, Emmy Jane is our next, and she is one who contends for the things of God, uh, but she does it with a grace that comes from God, but she contends for the things that are on his heart. She fights for them. She believes in them wholeheartedly. John Wesley is our next, and he is wood for the the fire of God. And we pray that he would burn brightly and have a voice that, that speaks the truth and the love of Jesus to the world around him. Lydia is our next. And we pray that she, like the Lydia in scripture, would be a, a first responder to the spirit. She was the first one in all of Europe that came to know Christ and respond to the gospel message. So we pray that she would be a first responder in the spirit, that when God's doing something, when the spirit's moving, that she would respond immediately, that there'd be a quickness to her response. Mary Elizabeth is our youngest and we pray over her like Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she would be highly favored, that the favor of God would be upon her to do incredible things. And so we pray these things over them regularly, that they would all be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and are filled. And we speak life and identity over them and they, they get stamped. I, I believe and pray and hope they are stamped uh, with who they are in God and they know their place in him. They know their, that they belong. They know that they have value and that they know they have worth and God loves to do the same and so much more to each and every one of us. And he wants to, he wants to stamp that on us, that approval that, that, that value, um, our standing with him to be, to be made clear so that um, we, would, we would walk rightly with him, so that we would burn brightly, and so that we would relate to one another in places of greater health. And so God wants to do that in us today. Before we read the passage of scripture, I know I already had you open there and now I'm delaying, but um, I want you to take a moment and do something with me. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. It's a little different, but just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to picture yourself as best you can walking into the throne room of God where he is seated on his throne. And as you picture that, I want you to notice your posture, how you're walking in, what you're doing. Your, your emotions, what it is that you're thinking and feeling. And I also want you to observe as best you can, what is, what's the response of God as you walk in the room? Is there anything that he says? Is there, what are, what's the, the, the expression on his face? So I know in some ways that's difficult to, to picture or imagine, but I want you to hold on to that for just a moment and we're gonna revisit it 
here in, here in just a minute. That, that, that picture, that idea of what, what we picture when we come into the, the presence of God like that. In 2 Corinthians 5, I want to read for us verses 17 through 21. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made himself who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we're going to break down this passage of scripture this morning into three different parts. And in each of those three different parts, I want to look at three different things. First of all, what is the truth that is being proclaimed, that is being stated Secondly, what is the lie that it's combating? And thus, what is the, the wrestle that we feel? The lie that we can sometimes wrestle with that, that comes against the truth of God. And then finally, what is the result when we can actually throw off the lie and embrace the truth of God? Okay, so we're gonna look at it in those three ways. And I wanna take verse 17 firstly, uh, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, and the new is here. And so for the son and daughter of God, the ones that are in Christ, that, are, that, have, uh, that have come to know him and are now a part of the family of God, there is an identity piece that happens that, that begins like this. Uh, the truth being that you are not who you used to be. The old ways are gone. The, 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 um, these, you're not slightly used. You're not, you do not carry deformities or stigmas or deficiencies. You are brand new. The old is gone and the, the new is here. The new has come. So, so the, the past and the, the, of what you used to be or who you, you, who you, how you used to think, uh, the actions you used to take, all of that is not who you are. That is the old self. And now there is a new self in Christ that it is no longer, uh, as Paul said, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so there is a newness to your life. And yet there is a wrestle. There's a wrestle because we, we feel, we can feel like the same old person. We can feel the same temptations. We can still walk into sin. We, we can even stumble and trip and fall and, and stay in a place where we we're, uh, find ourselves struggling with the same sin that we struggled with before and it leaves us wondering whether we're truly new or not. Where, where we, we come to the place of like, hey, is that, is that my reality? Am I, am I really new? Because I don't feel like I'm new. I, I still feel the traces of sin. I, I, and sometimes we even... I identify our, ourselves um, in, in that way where we, we are still the person that gets angry 
We're, we're the, the person that struggles with alcohol abuse or, or gender confusion or pornography or whatever it might be. And we, we still have this identity that that's kind of who I am. That's what I've always struggled with. That's always going to mark my life rather than recognizing that what God is saying is that you are mine. You are in Christ. You are part of the family. I am a father and you are mine. You are part of this family and that is your identity. That God, because when we can, we can understand it, the result is um, that we stand before the Father with all the benefits that are true of Jesus. And that, that's a hard thing to wrap our mind around, but that is the power of the work of the cross. That because of what Jesus did, we, we, are, we are a new creation, we are in Christ. And so we step into the throne room and, and he sees us in the same way that he sees Jesus because we are in him. Uh, we, we, are, we are filled with his spirit. We are a, a new creation. And, and so we stand before him with all the benefits that are true of Jesus. And so we, we relate to the father based on what Jesus has done on the cross. And so that gives us a healthy uh, and, and growing intimacy, uh, intimate relationship with the Father. And when we, when we relate to him based on what Jesus has done, not on what we've done, we often make that mistake, right? Where we relate to God based on what we've done. And that's no way to have a healthy relationship because our lives are very unstable, we are up and down and we have good days and we have bad days at times. And so it's like, oh, I'm great with God. Oh man, I, I can't even, I, I can't go into his presence. I don't want to be, I, I'm so up and down if I have to relate to him that my relationship and the health of my relationship with the father is based on how I'm doing. And that, that's not how it works. That's, how, that's too often how we come to him. But God says, no, you, you, are, you are mine. Uh, you are not the one who struggles with this or I don't identify you like this. That's not who you are. You're mine. And that begins to help us and we'll, we'll keep uh, talking about it, but it, it begins to help us even when we do begin to, to trip up over sin, to use that analogy, to trip up or to begin to stumble. And then it's like, well, I'm going down, so I'm just in it, you know? And so, and now I may wallow there for a little bit while I'm on the ground having struggle getting up because I, that, that's just who I am. That's just the way that it's been. But if instead we can understand the truth of this, the goal obviously is that we understand the truth to the degree that I never have to give myself to sin, that that is, that is a wrong thing. And we'll get to that in the very end. But what it, what it also helps us to do is that when we trip up and struggle with sin, rather than going all the way down and ended up, how, do I, how did I get here? How do I get out of this? That we realize, wait, I'm tripping. I'm, I don't have, that's not who I am. No longer do I say, yep, this is who I am. Yep, I'm back there again. I knew I would be. I knew. Like, no, the truth that I'm aligning my life with is that that is not who I am. What am I doing? What am I do Why am I doing this? This is not who I am. And we recognize that we are a new creation that we can step back into the presence of God. And, and so we begin to realize that what God is saying here in verse 17 is you have gone from being dirty to clean. If I were to summarize it, you're going from dirty to clean, from old to new, dirty to clean. And that's who you are. That's just who you are because of what Jesus has done at the cross. Okay, it goes on verse 18 through 20. Let's read that again. All this is from God 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ, the work of the cross, work of Jesus, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so the truth is this, that relationship with God has been restored. It was broken. There was a major problem. That problem was sin. It was our own, our own rebellion. It was our selfishness, pride, arrogance, lust, you name it. That was an, an incredible problem for all of humanity. We were all in the same boat. We all had the same dividing wall of hostility between us and a, and a loving creator, God. And he came and in Christ said, I'm going to reconcile this. I'm going to make it right. And everything that was in the way, I'm going to remove as a barrier through the work of Jesus on the cross so that I can have sons and daughters that are, that are, that are no longer uh, that are no longer guilty but but innocent that are that are no longer um that are no longer shackled by sin and shame but are set free and so you're reconciled uh the the problem of sin there's been a a a way that has been made through where before we could not be in his presence we can now be in his presence we deserve death but what it says is that in christ he's no longer counting our sin against us that there is grace and that there is mercy the problem or the wrestle and lie that we that we feel is that while God is no longer counting our sin against us we are still counting our sins against us and we feel a distance or we feel separated by the the the, the sin that we uh, can so easily get entangled with um, and, and it it causes a tainting in the way that we relate to God. As long as we relate to God based on our sin, we will always run from him instead of to him. And, and thus the, 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 downward, the downward spiral, because we're, we're saying like, I, I, I can't come to you right now, or I, 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 I don't know how to do that, because surely you're, you're angry, Surely I, I should not be near you because of my sin. And we're relating to him based on our sin in that way rather than, and, and almost seeing God as a father who just puts up with us, who's really tired of us continually messing things up, who is like, well, I guess I'll forgive him because I said I would, but I really don't want to, or I love him, I just don't really like him, or whatever the stuff is that can kind of get, get in there. Um, and, and it's just, it's wrong thinking. And we can begin thinking that way before we even know it. And we need to understand that, because uh, when we can grasp this idea that we are reconciled, that God made a way through great personal sacrifice to himself for us, for a way to be made for us to relate with him, the, the result is the value. It's, wow, he must really enjoy me. 
that he would want me to be with him so much so that he would give up his, his son that he dearly loves. There's value there. There, there is a, 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 the fact that he enjoys me being in his presence. Otherwise, why would he go to such lengths to make a way for me to be in his presence? He enjoys me. He enjoys me. He likes me. He wants me to be with him. And so I don't relate to him based on my sin. Like, oh, he must think I'm terrible. He did this thing. He's like, no, he, he already knew how terrible we were. How uh, unable we were to overcome sin. That's why he had to make a way. And he's saying, come to me and, and know that I enjoy you. And that there is such life in that place. I am enjoyed by God. I am loved by God. It makes it easier to step out of my sin. He loves me. He cares for me. And it actually motivates us way more than in any kind of guilt or shame, which we're going to talk about next, to come back to him when we know he's loving. The, the Bible tells us that he, he draws us to repentance through cords of loving kindness. That's how he draws us into repentance is, is this fact that he enjoys us, he loves us, he enjoys our presence. And when we really get a hold of that, what happens is we become ambassadors of that. The verse before where we began reading, Paul declares it's, it's Christ's love that compels us. We are compelled, we are thrust forward. We cannot stay in our seats because his love, what he's done, how he's shown us his love, it thrusts us into the world that we might become ambassadors on Christ's behalf uh, to, to speak and proclaim this truth that can you believe it guys? That God, who, the good father in heaven, he is making a way where we can be reconciled to him. All the brokenness and all the bitterness and all the distance and all the shit, a way has been made. And so what, what's happening here is Paul is like, so we implore you, please, Please be reconciled to God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And so we become this ambassador uh, because we have so authentically been transformed by the love of God. And we know what it means to be a son or daughter of the house. And where there's freedom, where there's enjoyment, where there's life, where there is value and worth, no matter what's going on in my world, no matter what successes or failures I'm having, there is a consistency, there is a foundation upon which I live. And that is that he enjoys me and I am home in his presence and I will never be alone. And he leads me forward in pathways of righteousness. By the way, he's pursuing me all the days of my life with loving kindness. Like there, there's a place of, st of stability there in being a son and daughter of God that we, that we need to stand on and, and not let our emotions or our thinking get the best of us depending on what's going on in our life in any given moment. Finally, uh, let's read in, in verse 20 where it wraps up saying, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First of all, we have a, a beautiful picture of the innocent one becoming guilty and the guilty ones being made innocent. A very brief and yet potent description of the work of Jesus on the cross. 
the gospel, that the innocent one, the one who had no sin, was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so the truth is that we, we are righteous. You may not feel righteous, but we are the righteousness of God. What does that mean? What does that mean for us as a, as a son or daughter? Well, what it means is that we no longer have to walk around with guilt and shame. Because that, that's the lie and wrestle that we feel. I don't feel righteous. I, feel, I still feel like the guilty one. I don't, feel like, I don't feel like the innocent one. And this again is where it's, it's a great practice, not only in this area, though this is at the crux of it, but this is a great practice when it comes to scripture is like as I read my Bible, as I read it regularly, and as I come to know the word of God, does my thinking and my life align with the word and the truth of, of God? Or do I allow other thoughts or other influences unknowingly cause me to believe something that is untrue? And it can build and it can be detrimental when we begin to believe things and we're not relating to God rightly. And so there's no power in our lives. There's weakness and frailty because we don't know the power and strength we have because of we're a son or a daughter. And so in this case, we walk around with guilt and shame. The enemy loves using shame in our lives to keep us from being who we are called to be. He loves to heap shame and that is not the work of God. We, the wrestle that we have is that we feel like we have to carry around this guilt and this shame. It's almost like a penance for us. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty and, I'm sh- and I, I don't even deserve. And even when he, he tries to pursue us with his presence, we can, we can push it away, right? Like, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I did it. I, and and you, you soak and you bask in that shame almost like it's a way of showing how sorry you are. Or on the other side, we can strive. We can begin this place of striving for righteousness. Uh, like, okay, no, I, I'll, I'll do it better next time, God. Well, we're still kind of keeping it at arm's length because we're not sure how we feel. And that goes back to some of the previous things we've talked about. I don't know. I, I'm still relating to him based on my sin. And so we move into this striving place. Where I, I'll do it better next time. And, and uh, I'll, I'll get it right. I won't make the same mistake again. Uh, and, and that's the hundredth time that you've said that, right, about that thing. And we keep trying to do it. The problem is, as Isaiah identifies way back in the Old Testament, that even that, that our, our best righteousness on our own is like filthy rags, is the way he describes it. It's still just a filthy, dirty rag. Like we cannot do it. Our best attempts at it are still like a filthy rag. Uh, I think Paul, the, the writer of this letter, is passionate about this because he tried his whole life, uh, his whole early life, to, to do this to present a life of righteousness, of following all the rules and the regulations and making a name for himself. And it's like, it doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. Don't, don't carry around this guilt and this shame, uh, saying no to his presence, striving to get better um, because it's impossible to improve upon the righteousness that comes from the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's impossible to improve upon that. So you striving for that? Are you trying to do something of penance that, that's caused by shame to, to show how sorry you are to, in that way to, to, a, to kind of gain righteousness is, is really a, a little bit of a, a slap in the face to, the, to Jesus. 
He's like, hey, I, I paid a great price so that you didn't have to do that. It's, 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 a, it's a misunderstanding. Uh, it's uh, what, what we're doing maybe um, accidentally is saying the, the work of Christ on the cross that provided righteousness for me was not enough for my sin. I believe it generally, but then we start acting like that, that I, gotta, I gotta improve upon that righteousness. I've got to do better. I've gotta take it upon myself. I've gotta, you know, that's, that's where shame and guilt leads us to. And that is not the way of the cross. That's not, the, that's not how righteousness works. In fact, when we think about it this way, uh, you know, Jesus paid our debt in full. If you think about it in a term of a ledger, like where, where sin is a debt, where we owed more than we could ever pay back. And, and we were upside down in every area, bankrupt, no prospects of a job, unable to get work, like just, we were, we were under, never, never able to get it. So we're thinking about a ledger. And so what, what, it, what it is, is this, is that Jesus through his work on the cross uh, overcame sin, which caused the bankruptcy and said, you're forgiven, you're, you're set free, you're, you, uh, the debt is, is removed. Your debt is paid in full. Through the death of Jesus, your, death, your debt is paid in full. There is no debt anymore. There's no debt anymore. You are out of debt because if, if you are in Christ, you are out of debt because of the work of Jesus on the cross once and for all, final, done, period, exclamation point, right? That, that's the truth. And if God made you continue to pay for your sin through, through righteousness or works or, or you know, guilt-induced penance, then, then that would be unjust on the part of God. Because God is not simply overlooking your sin. Not just overlooking it like, okay, well, again, like they can stay around. I'll just overlook it. He's not even just forgiving your sin, which is powerful in and of itself. It, it, and, and he is forgiving your sin. And, and yet it's more than that in that the price for your sin has already been paid. It's already been paid. Again, he would be uh, uh, unjust uh, if he, he made you pay for sin that he's already received payment for. And, and it's, it's uncanny. It, it, is almost, it, it, it almost short circuits our brain. That's the Galatians, it short circuited their brain because they're like, oh, Awesome well, then we can keep going sinning. And you're like, uh, is that what that, no, that's not what that means, okay? We're not talking about a message on sin and the destruction of sin and the dishonoring of God and how it's, uh, all those things, that's still true. So we don't wanna make them the, the mistake of the Galatians. But, but what actually I think happens is that the person that recognizes uh, the, what it means to be a son or a daughter in the house of God, responds with a life of gratitude and faith and worship more so than someone who's relating to him based on guilt and shame uh, could ever do it. That it actually is a place of freedom that says, I want to, to, to give myself to God. He's so good. I love how it says in Romans 4, 4 through 5, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies ungodly, 
justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, so again, we have this, it's not works that we're, now there's an obligation. We've done nothing, but by faith, we are, are again, that ledger is not only a clean slate, it's not only like we were bankrupt and now at least we have an even clean slate that we can build upon and we can work. It's actually, we have a credit in our account. We are credited righteousness, right standing with God. That we are, in, we are in a part of the family. We are, we are sons and daughters. And so it's this beautiful picture that causes us to, to respond um, as it does in Romans 6. And, and by the way, if you have any Galatian-esque thoughts, just meditate on Romans 6 for the rest of the week. We're, if you have any like, oh, well, I could do it. No, this is like, so we're called to something narrow. We're called to give our lives to him. In Romans 6.13, it says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Because that's what's happened. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. This, there's, there's, a, there's a stamp here. There's a marker that God wants to place on our hearts and our minds at a greater level today as sons and daughters that cause us to think a little differently, that cause us to relate to him differently based on the fact that we are sons and daughters and he is a father and he has made a way for us and he's invited us into, our, into his house. It makes us think differently, it makes us relate to him differently and then act differently where we're so overcome that we, we, we come into his presence like Romans 6, 13, we're saying, I offer every part of myself to you, God. Let me just be an instrument for you to do, for you to work righteousness in the world around me and in the lives of those around me. And so we're offering ourselves to him in that way today. I want you to close your eyes one more time here with me. And I want you to go back to that, that image and I believe that as you picture yourself again approaching the throne of God and walking into his presence, that you're gonna see some changes, that there's some, there's some perspective changes that God wants to give you. And I want you to look again at your posture, how you're walking in, what you're feeling emotionally, what's going on, what's the look on his face, what's he speaking. And, and, and I believe again that God just wants to, to shape a little more accurately what that picture is like as he looks at you coming into his presence. So just take a minute. I just want you to think about that. Picture that image for another minute or so here.
Maybe now if we could just shift from the throne room to the table. Oh God, just invited you in to the house and it's not just the entryway or the formal living room, but it's kind of back beyond the kitchen where the family table is and he's inviting you there to be with him because he enjoys you because you're loved it's like the picture of the the father and the story of the prodigal son that's it's waiting whose arms are open wide and you've been gone or you've created distance and you're finally saying and I what am I doing where else do I want to be but in the, the house of my father and he's delighted and every day that you've been gone there's just been a longing there's been a pursuit there's an intercession in heaven Let him speak to you right now about your identity as a son, as a daughter. Won't you stand with me? And um, as we respond today, um, we're going to have our ministry team. You guys come on up here to the front. And um, this team of people is just up here to, to pray. For anybody that would like prayer, it could be for anything. Honestly, any, any kind of relational struggle financial struggle, there could be physical healing, there um, problems big to small, and there are burdens that we carry, and we believe that God answers prayer, and we believe that as a family, we want to get in each other's boats and pray for one another. And so please don't leave here today without getting somebody to pray for you, whether it's one of these ministry team members or somebody that you came with, just say, hey, would you, would you pray for me? And um, we also just want to open up this space in the front as we always do in the morning. If you need to just respond to God, come and get on your knees, come and move out of your seat and say, God, I want to be stamped as a son or as a daughter. I need to know my identity. I don't, I don't want to live the way I've been living. I want to walk in freedom. I don't want to walk in guilt and shame. Would you wipe that away? I, I need you. Uh, I need you to come. We didn't just invite you to just start coming. You can start coming. Get on your knees in the front. You can start coming and receiving prayer. Uh, if there's anybody here today who would say, I don't know that I'm a part of the family of God. How, what does that even look like? What does that mean? And it, and it means having relationship with Jesus, coming to God uh, through, through what Jesus has done at the cross. And if that's something that's stirring in you, you're like, I want that, or you're feeling that desire, that is, that is God initiating with you. That's God initiating with you. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that. If that's something that you're sensing or feeling this morning, please make your way down and so we can, uh, we can meet you and share with you about that. But let's not one of us leave this place today without responding wholeheartedly to God.